0: when you tell people something or you share something, how is that received and what are they going to learn? And also that people are going to take your advice, you know, hear your advice and not take it. And you're going to have to be okay with it because you're just there to shape, not control. And I think there's a big misconception about that.
1: Welcome to the, (laughs) no, 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 I can't do that. Let's try another one. Uh, How about this? (laughs) No, no, that won't work either. Let's try this. Yeah, I can get on board with that. Let's roll with it. Welcome to the Begin the Begin podcast. My name is Jeff Hillemeyer, and I'm on a mission to find out what makes people tick not just anyone, people who are making a profound impact on the world. I want to dig into their origin story and get to the root of why and how they do what they do. I hope you are as inspired coming out of these conversations as I am. Let's get into it. Ever wonder what makes an entrepreneur tick? Well, on this episode, I get to know my friend Anand Talker a lot better. His background is truly impressive, and it's not only made him one of the most sought-after mentors in the tech space, but it has also led to him being called the Midas of Martech. Let's get into it. All right, today, I think, uh, I think this is my first startup-related guest if that—that's crazy to me—that that I've been doing this for a few months and, and haven't had uh, a startup guest. But um, you know, my goal today, um, th- this uh, this this startup guest is a is a friend of mine and someone that um, inspires me and I think does a lot of good. Um, and so, you know, part of my mission with this podcast is to dig deep into someone's psyche, someone's ethos, and see if I can. Uh, pick apart how they, how they got to where they are in terms of wanting to make the world a better place. Um, and so I think that, uh, we'll get into it. So Anand, uh, tell us who you are and what you do, and then we'll kick this off.
0: <laughs> hey, uh, it is so great, Jeff, to have you here. I know we meet like once every six months and we go for like three hours. So we're going to make sure that our, <laughs> your listeners aren't going to go on for three hours. Um, but, uh, yeah, I've, uh, I've been in Atlanta, Uh, I I was born in Scranton, Pennsylvania. So now I can actually speak to that because people know what that is, but moved around a lot early in my childhood and then ended up in Atlanta. So I've been in Atlanta for 30 years. Um, absolutely have seen and love and, you know, just have, you know, embraced the city in terms of how it's grown and changed and evolved over time. And, uh, um, uh, went to Georgia tech, uh, computer engineering. I thought I was going to build the next generation chips and, uh, actually did some interesting side stuff maybe we'll it, you know talk about another day but uh, I actually got to meet Seymour Cray before he passed a long time ago and he wanted me to come to Minnesota and all of that's for another story for another day but um, but uh, yeah graduated ended up in the energy space in the finance world um, the financial market spaces um, I've always enjoyed like the intersection upon reflection now I get this and I'll probably explain a lot when we have these co- when we converse more about this but really love the Interaction the intersection of people, data, and money, and you know how that uh, changes over time. So for the energy space, we were building enterprise software for utility companies from everything from uh, planning software, like uh, using algorithms to understand how to plan thirty years in advance, so that utility companies know how to build a plant. You know, need to start building a plant today because you know you can't just whip one of those up like a you know like a condominium. uh, You know, nowadays. But um, and then all the way to like real time time, uh, you know, trading on and off the grid. So I uh, initially, believe it or not, I thought it was like a really boring industry. And I come to like really appreciate the magnitude and the complexity of of the space. Um, and they got me into the financial markets, which uh, as a matter of fact, actually, I started getting into marketing because my old mentor, he uh, he actually got me out of my shell. So I was doing a lot of software development at the time and then starting to inch my way into uh, the the arena of marketing and marketing technology at the time, but it was early days of the internet. We're talking about, uh, you know, like uh, mid to th- like early 2000s, right? Yeah. So um, certainly before the boom, uh, before the last like financial bust or the startup bust or the dot-com bust, but uh, after the first one and before the second one, <laughs> I guess we're talking about it. Um, and yeah, I ended up, uh, he was like, look, I know you want to go into this marketing space, but uh, come, come with me. I know you have that entrepreneurial bug and... Let, we'll definitely, uh, you know, I've got a company we've got to go turn around and I'm responsible for the growth and the, you know, and the marketing side of it. I want you to come help me out. And so we did that. And uh, it was uh, it was a, a great place to, you know, kind of get more exposure in in that capacity. But um, uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll go through, the, I guess, the, the the startup trajectory later. But then, um, yeah, we, we exited to uh, the New York Stock Exchange and which I love the fact that it's back in Atlanta again. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so it's, it's followed me back, but, uh, I, I, unfortunately don't know anybody, uh, there at the time. Uh, but yeah, then I really wanted to get into the marketing tech space. So I interviewed with anybody and everybody that I could, um, from, uh, the, the Marketos, the Salesforce's exact target, uh, you know, like HubSpot, like, I mean, Eloqua, I mean, and there was lots of different places and then Silverpop, um, actually I ended up back at Silverpop because. There was a part of me that wanted to go back to Atlanta, but after my first choice didn't work out and the other ones I really didn't want to go for uh, because I was, believe it or not, looking for a person to learn from who had that entrepreneurial back, background, regardless whether I was going to be a startup or not. And uh, I think uh, I think you know Scott Voit, right? So he's a right. uh, full story, Mr. Full Story right now, but he, uh, I, as a matter of fact, I was in Birmingham at the time. So he brought me back to Atlanta and uh, got a chance to work with him for a while. And, uh, part of his charter was to have a lot of us, uh, use the, you know, h- help kind of turn around the operations of how we did marketing. So marketing operations was the first stint of what that meant, or was a label of the things that I was doing, which is really the intersection of technology and, uh, and marketing at the time. Mm-hmm. And, um, so I had I've just had this incredible experience in Salesforce and how to use it, and worked with very complex B two B sales organizations. I mean, you know, in the energy space. I mean, it was all about relationships. So trying to figure out how marketing fit into that was a uh, was a very useful asset. And uh, and yeah, spending time with Scott was incredible. So if you know Scott Voight, man, that guy he was a <laughs> he's an incredible individual. He's really smart, and I love how if you have someone on as a guest, he is the guy for the startup arena. I mean, to me, he's one of the handful of people that exemplify who, how Atlanta should, uh, you know, follow in terms of how to run a startup. So, uh, you know, because he's done it before, that was his background. And so we we had a good time there. Then I left. Um, and then ended up, uh, doing a few businesses, some consulting, some product. Um, my last, uh, engagement was, uh, or last, uh, exit was actually a success. It was one of the biggest ones in the, uh, in the, in the, uh, I guess in my trajectory of startups that I've done or ventures that I've gotten into. Um, and we were building, it was Intellify, so I still carry the brand around and that's a story for another day, but, um, basically we were talking about, uh, McKinsey, Bain, uh, Boston Consulting Group in a box for go-to-market decisions that need to be made by executives. So they would implement this solution, and they could make decisions every three months or every quarter, which is typically the cadence of a company uh, in terms of what strategic options they have in front of them and how to evaluate them and then make some decisions on that. Versus taking nine to twelve months where uh, you would engage somebody and it, it would take you that you know particular amount of time. So
1: and then leading up to now it's se- you know i actually it seems to me most of what you do is mentor um advise startups startup founders um maybe you're investing in these i'm not sure but tell me what you're up to now yeah,
0: yeah I, there's all this collective like strafe's uh, beyond that so um you know back to the what I love about just following and understanding behavior of people in an ecosystem—the best way, you know—the utility space was certainly a, a start of that, but that was really about usage and behavior patterns of how people use this stuff. But when it got into the financial markets, I've been trading since I was fourteen, and uh, that was the benefit of my parents, who, you know, really didn't have a lot, but they knew two things. They said to be successful, especially in business, you need to have a good credit score and you have to have a good financial, uh, you know, literacy. Uh, to, to, uh, to any degree. So whether you end up being incredibly wealthy or just having a good lifestyle, those are two incredible pieces. If you wanted to get into business in some capacity, And he was right. I mean, I got to learn a lot about business through putting money in. I mean, everybody tells you, you know, if you want to understand something and both emotionally, spiritually, and physically, and you know, emotionally, you have to really put money and put some skin in the game. Uh, it's really the only way to do that. Um, so that's always stuck with me. As a matter of fact, uh, you know, I share with this with you, my third m- close mentor in the past in, in as many years. So I've had three mentors pass in the last three years, uh, one every year. And uh, one was the last couple of weeks ago. And he was the one that called me the Midas of Martech because uh, we did do a lot of investing. So I do some investing personally. Mostly it's in the public side of things. I've been navigating that into the private sector, but a lot of people Um, yeah, I take the Warren Buffett philosophy as understanding a particular space and just knowing it incredibly well. And I love the marketing technology space and, you know, the, the deviations from it, which is sales enablement or, you know, customer experiences and whatnot. But, um, but yeah, I just understood what was going on, how the, it helped me understand the landscape of the future of business, especially regarding digital and customer engagement. And I was navigating, I was fortunate enough to have people around me who recognize that, uh, he's onto something and started putting money in and, uh, we've been, you know, collectively doing that ever since. And, you know, they've got friends and other people who become LPs and other venture capital firms. And so I, uh, you know, I, I don't, um, Every time we, my wife and I hit a milestone, we typically give it almost all away <laughs> just because we're, we're like, you just feel hungry. You just understand. And we're very fortunate and like I said, blessed uh, that, you know, so many th- good things are coming our way, but, um, but it's nice to be surrounded with other folks who respect what you're trying to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's from the investment standpoint, we can go down that path another day, but, um, but the mentoring has been a really powerful cornerstone in my life, um, it's, I, I'm rough around the edges. I still am. And, you know, it's a matter of fact, when I was telling Scott and he wanted me to come on as, you know, leading marketing operations, I'm like, Scott, man, I'm, I'm still figuring things out. And he's like, how is that possible? Like you're being way too humble. I'm like, no, because the thing is, is that there's so much to learn uh, and so much to understand and having people around you have different perspectives not necessarily just diversity in the classic sense, but or the sense that we all know. But I mean, just different backgrounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people who know you personally, some people who know you professionally, some people who can who don't know you that well but are acquaintances. They can see things you can't. Um, and I saw that as uh, you know, especially as Atlanta's ecosystem started to grow from a startup perspective, we had lots of mis- lots of people had lots of misconceptions. And this goes everywhere, but certainly in Atlanta, we had a lot of misconceptions about what is a startup founder. What does success look like? What do we need to, you know, do in terms of doing that? And unfortunately, I was very lucky to be in the MarTech space and knew David Cummings from early days as, you know, we both have uh, a common common friend in that capacity and certainly a common uh, partner mm-hmm. in many ways. And there was Atlanta Tech Village, which is, you know, the fourth largest tech hub in the world. And it's a great ecosystem. Uh, the, it's uh, the, And that community, I felt like it just needed a recharge. And if I was going to experiment on what mentorship needed to look like, that would be a good place to to kind of launch that. Um, So while I did things personally, I felt like there needed to be a way to enable others or empower others to really start to recognize and define what is mentorship, what is being a mentor, and what is it to have mentors and why that's important. Because even early on, having one means you learn how to develop relationships with people who can help you above and beyond you know, what you're capable of. So for those who understand that early on, when you're starting to do the $50 million raise, or you're doing the billion dollar exit, guess what, you're going to have to learn how to deal with board members, investors, you know, advisors, I mean, they're going to come at you, whether you like them or not. And it's important to understand how to harness those relationships. And that's why it's always been important to me, because I would not be anywhere close to where I am, uh, without, uh, you know, the certainly the mentors that I've had, uh, who, who I, uh, you know, come to appreciate and dearly love and sorely miss, um, as they've, uh, helped me throughout my career and helped me help others in in many different ways.
1: You know, um, what's interesting is, um, one of my, uh, most important and earliest mentors was Bill Nussie.
0: Oh yeah, Bill
1: With Silverpop. <laughs> so, uh, it's interesting that, 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 uh, you were at Silverpop for, for a little bit. Um, but let me ask you this, cause you're, um, you, you look like maybe you're Thirty, but uh you're how old are you?
0: Forty four, or wait, okay. no, forty three. See, it's already going.
1: <laughs> oh 43 forty three. I'm forty four. I was gonna say we're we're tied. Um, but you, it doesn't sound like you're done having mentors.
0: Never, yeah. never. I, I, I think that. I think I finally I feel like the more and I've, I, this might sound cliche, but like the more you know, the less you actually. I mean, like the more you explore and the more you've experienced, the less you seem to know. Like I, it's just this inverse thing. But if you're yeah, you, know, you, you as you as I like every time I go like I love and this is one of those growth rates maybe we'll get into but I love colliding worlds. That means finding two different things and then bringing something unique that comes to fruition whether it's a business, whether it's a mindset, whether it's an investment strategy, whether it's bringing other So those mentors give you that perspective. Um and actually being a mentor is almost like you're learning mm-hmm. as well. So um I wrote this post and I was thinking through what are the benefits of being a mentor besides just having a badge. Uh, but I think part of mentorship or being mentored is having mentees uh, as, as a part of that. And uh, there, there's lots of lessons to be had about now you get to work with, say, a handful of people and they go and explore different areas that you haven't seen before. And you start to understand what you, when you tell people something or you share something, how is that received and what are they going to learn? And also that people are going to take your advice, uh, you know, hear your advice and not take it. And you're going to have to be okay with it because you're just there to shape, not control. And I think there's a big misconception about that, but you're right, Jeff. I, I I will never, I'm actually a little rudderless because now I have very, I actually have no major mentors that I once had. Um, and I am for the first time in my life uh, very unsure what to do. Uh, I just went through helping, uh, you know, a number about 200, nearly 200 family members. I became the godfather of the families. I helped like seven different companies over the last 10 months through crisis management. And, uh, you know, then there was the whole post acquisition matters and making sure my team was, you know, in great shape, which, you know, they were, they were running the show well before me. I was just a appendage, uh, by that time, which is fantastic. And I'm very proud of it. But, uh, but yeah, I I I I find that I'm in search of mentors because it always gives you a sense of purpose and it always gives you a, a sense of clarity about why do you need to, you know, why are you doing what you're doing? And are you truly sure that this is going to be very fulfilling to you for you? Um, or there may be things that you haven't really seen before and maybe it's time for something different. But um yeah, it's uh what what do I look for in a mentor? is, uh, you know, that, that changes over time. But sure. what, what about you, Jeff? I mean, I, I know you've got mentors and you, you certainly, uh, serve as a mentor to a lot of people as well. And, uh, what, what have you found has been either rewarding or insightful in, in some of that?
1: Yeah. I, you know, it's interesting is uh, cause I agree with you in terms of like, um, I'm nowhere done having mentors or, or people that can help. Um, but I think it's changed the type of, you know, m- mentorship and nourishment that I need is a little different than it used to be. It's a little less X's and O's and a little, little more bigger picture, um, you know, helping through a major problem or crisis. I think that's, that's where I find myself seeking, um, others, but you know, the, the thing that I've focused on a little bit more from a men for, from being a mentor, uh, standpoint is, um, I think in terms of, uh, access, um, you know I, I also uh, was in the tech village and and love that place and love um, what David created and, and the team there they're fantastic um, i do i do think and actually there's programs there now that are addressing some of this but I do think there's you know um, a lack of diversity in the um, in in not only the mentors but the people being um, you know given the advice and and taken on um, and so i you know I think there's something there that I'd love to to see fixed or see, see changed over time. I just think access you know, is important. And then at the same time, um, I've spent more of my time over the last say five or six years um, mentoring nonprofit leaders who are really running a startup, um, a very lean startup. Um, but uh, you know, they don't necessarily have access either to great mentors and um, they don't always even know to ask. And so that's something that I'm focusing more on, you know?
0: Yeah, no, I I know you do good work with 48 and 48. I know that has been, you know, a a manifestation of mentorship and, you know, uh, and and being able to help one of the things that I admire the most and certainly had a great conversation with Adam just not too long ago, you know, about, okay, I know I'm late to the game, but (laughs) I love the idea of really elevating others. And I think that's one of the, you know, for me, it's, uh, you know, you don't see me in the, I, I don't. Uh, I, I'm a relatively private person, but um, I, you know, given the space, you know, it's, it's necessary to to speak up. But I really enjoy people who succeed me uh, by multitudes, right? I mean, I think it's it's kind of like uh, we were just—I t- was talking about this not too long ago—that uh, Mark uh, Salesforce has uh, in another podcast, uh, Salesforce has exceeded Oracle's market cap, and you know, everybody's you know. Uh, Chuckling at uh, Ellison. And I'm like, well, he's probably proud on one hand, right? At least one big hand, because he was mentoring Mark Benioff along for a long time. And he would probably be and I mean, even to have your mentees uh, supersede you is is a phenomenal, um, you know, success. Uh, if a nonprofit just explodes because you were able to set them, you know, uh, right, right. I mean, Bill, speaking to Bill, right. I mean, he had been a, a semi distant mentor of mine from a while. I mean, his book is right here on the shelf. And uh-huh. he was when I went to go talk to him, he thought I was flattering him that I had his book. And he was, I was like, no, no, no. I bought this book a long time ago because it was this and Seth Godin's book. And I'm like, look, here you go. Um, and, uh, and in that same conversation, we were talking about mentoring and, you know, enabling and empowering. And he mentioned charity water, right? So that's another, you know, yeah. while it's not direct mentorship, it certainly is mm-hmm. a, a concept of elevating others so that they can proceed and progress, uh, on their own and with a great deal of confidence. And I think that's a, that's a very powerful legacy to leave, whether you're trying to aim for a legacy or not.
1: Yeah. No, the, and the book on charity water, um, thirst, I think is what it's called ah. fantastic book. Um, and I've listened to it. Um, he reads it and it's, it's fantastic. Um, yeah. So, you know, I think it's interesting. I, I saw, um, on some description or some, maybe it was LinkedIn that, you know, you, you select you, you uh mentor select startups and i think the word select was really interesting you know so for someone like you who's probably asked quite often to get involved or to help or to give your time or hey to be on a podcast <laughs> how do you decide to say yes to things and then how do you more importantly say Say no to some things.
0: Yeah, uh, you're probably making me bigger bigger than I really am. Uh, I I say select because I try to tell people, look, I'm not trying to solicit. Because you know how many advisors are there in the world, right? That actually call themselves advisors or gurus or experts. And I try to tell. I I guess it was more of a, um, you know, temper your ask because I'm not really interested in making money or you know just getting business as an advisor. It's more of You know, if the relationship works out and we happen to run into each other and literally the last 10 months has been working with these companies, trying to save them, get through crisis mode. But many of those people were people that uh, were actually mentors of mine or helped me or advised me early on. And they're like, hey, you know how to do this type of uh, effort in terms of uh, repositioning for growth. Help us figure out how you did. You know, when we did this together, how do you do this in today's age? And it was, you know, it's interesting to see that. Um, but to ask, yeah, I, I, it's um, it's not too hard to say no if you feel like you have a sense of what you want to be helping on. Because you can extremely, you can get burnout incredibly fast, right? And this was, maybe that was part of the manifestation of doing the Atlanta Tech Village's mentor and advisor program or redoing, re, you know, sparking, the, re, reinvigorating that was, I can't do it all alone and I need to pick what I want to be able to help out with. And in my mind, come up with a profile of people or peoples that I would want to be able to support. Um, And money is not the top of mind, right? And, And so then if you carve that piece out, then you really think about, what what kind of mission you want to accomplish? So there's people that can't afford me, and I'm happy to help them. Right? Uh, they just have something very genuine, or there's some spark that you can think about or see. You know, I think you guys when you were doing a, I think one of the previous sessions with Spun Logic and the the crew and the Gauge Spun Logic crew, right? Um, there was a mention, I think from Danny or maybe Raj, who was talking about, there's something about people that you just know that you want to have or build a relationship with either because you think it'll be a mutual opportunity, right? Again, like we were talking about earlier, sometimes being a mentee or an advisor or a mentor is you learn from them as much as you're going to be giving. It's a trade, not just a one way conversation. So, um, uh, aside from that, I mean, if it's a complete stranger, (laughs) that's, that's a little challenging, uh, for me, I I mean, believe it or not, I mean, I'm an introvert. So being around other people is, it's not that I don't like being around people. I love it. I absolutely love it. But my time to recharge is with me and, you know, maybe family and close friends, right? It's, it's not like going and throwing a party and, you know, going to hang out with a bunch of people is where, where I re-energize, although I do have a lot of fun, In that capacity. So same goes for mentoring as well. I mean, I try to, I burned myself out doing this in the past and I had to really hone in and focus. And the hardest thing, like anything else, especially in the startup or business world is saying no all the time, but it saves you more than it. uh, And it helps you develop a quality relationship with those that you do say yes with, rather than trying to do it with everybody. And so I even... Teach a lot of startups or a lot of uh, other business founders or share that wisdom with other people who are looking to be in a uh, leadership or that type of uh, that kind of elevated role where uh, saying no saves you to be a better person for the people that you are trying to help. And you can't help everybody and you just have to get over it.
1: Yeah, Yeah. that's right. And, and saying those hard, it's funny. I don't know that we've ever talked about this, but I, like you, I had a moment or a time where I was getting a little burned out. That was too much. I think it was after we sold engage and, um, you know, just a lot of people start saying, Hey, I'd love some advice and I'd love to help if I can. I mean, I had people like Bill and and Ken Bernhardt who helped me, but, um, so so I, I started to 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 want to do more with nonprofits, but I was getting asked to, you know, be a mentor or at least spend time with people. And so I I created something called Advice for Good. Did okay. we ever talk about that? <laughs> the idea was um, and it's still a startup I want to build, um, adviceforgood.org. I still have the URL, but the idea is um, okay, if if for a mentor, so someone like you to get on your schedule to get your time, they would need to uh donate that amount of time to a nonprofit mm. you're choosing like and it. that unlocks the ability for them to you know, meet with you and spend time with you. And I thought that was a fair like, all right, well, if I'm going to give my time, they can give their time. And that's everybody wins. Um, and then it goes beyond that to where someone could go and say, you know what, I need advice from someone who sold a company in MarTech. Okay, there's four people on this site, I'm going to go, you know, do two hours of nonprofit work and and donate my time, and then I get access to these people. Um, I still want to do that. But I will tell you, um, definitely people got turned off. And almost like to me, like, who do you think you are that I would go down? It's just like, but you're asking me for my time. Like,
0: but it's, yeah, uh, it's surprising what people expect. I mean, the the whole freemium model of the world has really kind of uh, distorted yeah. everybody thing. But no, I like the concept. And I think part of it goes to uh, something that's also not very popular that I think I'll share. And is uh, there used to be a time when you had the apprentice relationship right before we had colleges and schools and all that. You, know, you had to go um, and apprentice somewhere uh, to learn a particular skill. Well, the best ones you actually had to earn being an apprentice to someone, right? I mean, you had to prove something, you had to do something, you had to whatever, right? I and mean, then we're not going to ask people to go on some, you know, adventure and slay a dragon or something, or, you know, <laughs> I mean, we're not going to ask any of that kind of thing. But, you know, I mean, we're, we're talking about you know, if you're serious about getting something, something from somebody in terms of help or advice, you know, w- what are you doing to help either their cause, something they care about, even just a genuine relationship like people don't really have a good feeling for understanding about how to even ask or approach someone about that and that could be you know lesson number 1 is you know um, and 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 also understanding and respecting you know the answer of no just because someone's popular and is always in the news all the time doesn't mean that they're necessarily the best mentors and the people who are hidden and may have like a handful of failures but some successes might become the best ones Um, and so there's a lot of people to, to have as a mentor, but I think there's a lot of misconception about, you know, the fact that, um, I should walk up to, a you know, someone I want to mentor me and they're going to do it. Um, but, uh, and that's part of the reason I think going back to what we were talking about earlier, if you become a mentee, I mean, mentor yourself and teaching other people, whether it's about something you may know, whether it's just simple math or, you know, it could be even just helping them like understand how to, you know, set up a lemonade stand just as a, you know, very, uh, (laughs) uh, overdramatic answer, answer. I mean, it's, it's something where you'll empathize with mentors and understand how to develop those relationships more carefully and, and, and cautiously.
1: Yeah, no, I think that's exactly right. You know, when you teach, you learn more. And, um, so, so what's the youngest you would, you would suggest somebody or what, how much experience would you want someone to have before you would say to a younger person, go be a mentor for a little bit and, and you'll start to grow from that
0: as early as you can. I mean, it doesn't matter what you're mentoring about. Right. I mean, I, uh, I mean, my son loves Minecraft and, um, and honestly, as much as I'm a 40 year old gamer, <laughs> I didn't get Minecraft in terms of like the actual gameplay. I understood like the amazingness of its community and its simplicity and how it's, you know, if I'm a business and like whole people data money standpoint, it was incredible, but, and, you know, gay for Microsoft for picking them up. But, Um, but, uh, he goes and, you know, I, I encourage him to try to teach some of his friends how to play and watching him actually explain some of this and then seeing and hearing feedback about, well, I don't understand this, or can you tell me about this? Or I don't, I'm not clear about that. Or, you know, or, or see, you know, watch him as he reacts to how other people are trying to do things and failing, right? How do you react to that? Do you jump in and say, no, no, no I'm just going to go ahead and do it for you? Or you're doing it all wrong and you're screaming at somebody, or are you just being patient and saying, okay, well, let me try something else, right? And, and as someone who might be a mentor to that person, so let's say me being a parent, <laughs> right, to my son, how do you, how do you explain, how do you help them be a better mentor? So as early as possible, certainly um, in terms of maybe, let's say, let's put some context to something relevant, right? Let's say being a startup founder or a startup person. Um, there are people in the Atlanta community who haven't been overly successful, uh, and they feel like they have nothing to contribute because they haven't actually had a success. And I'm like, that's not true, right? You just have it being able to have a great deal of empathy and understanding for somebody. And I know that's a very, again, a watered down word nowadays, but it's true. I mean, having that emotional quotient is incredibly important, no matter whether you, whatever your actions you have. But go ahead. Yeah.
1: Yeah, what about the opposite of that? So so someone who is giving a lot of advice but hasn't necessarily had the the actual, you know, win, the success. Yeah. But they were running a startup for quite some time. Where, where do you where do you draw that line?
0: Oh, it's a tough one. Right. Um, I, I, one of those things is, um, I guess if I was in a third party observer and this is what happened when I was at Atlanta tech village (laughs) and why it inspired me to be like, okay, we need to redefine this. Right. And, and this is goes everywhere, right. This is not just in Atlanta. It's not, I mean, it's, it's happened historically in the Bay area and the Northeast. Um, I spent a lot of time in Boston and uh, Toronto and, uh, you know, other areas, the, um, the, the notion of being able to share your story is being able to understand where your limits are and then saying, okay, well, I'm done. Like, And if you hear somebody and you overhear somebody giving advice about everything, then you know that they can't possibly be doing the right thing for this yeah, individual. Great point. Right? I mean, you can't possibly know everything. But there are certain things about either failure or stagnation that you can certainly speak to. Mm-hmm. right? Um, but yeah, the humility and empathy is not something that uh, should be underestimated uh, whether you're a success or not. Um, Totally agree
1: with that. Yeah. So let me ask you this. Are there any, you know, as you, as you've mentored and helped, um, I'm you know, across various industries and different size companies and, and different type of people, are there some core sort of Pat, like nuggets of wisdom and advice you seem to always find yourself giving? Um, and it doesn't really matter what someone's doing. These are like principles you should just Really embody.
0: I should write this down one day. Oh, geez. Yeah, I know. Um, The um, I think one of the I'm gonna I'm gonna roll with this, so you'll just have to bear with me. But you know, one of the things is um, as you're in terms of advice that I'm usually giving, it's uh, it revolves around uh, lots of times just spending time going to learn the topic before you go and ask. Right? I mean, nine times out of ten, I'm talking to somebody and they're like, "Oh, okay." So then my next question would be about this particular topic. Let's say fundraising, for example. Uh, Well, what have you read about it? Well, I haven't really read much about it or I read a blog post out. That's why I'm asking you about it. Well, that blog post was maybe a thousand words. I guarantee you there's lots of books and resources and everything. Um, so if I'm having a meaningful dialogue with somebody or, if, you know, or, or someone else who I know that's trying to be a mentor, if they're having a meaningful dialogue that gets into some of the nitty gritty details, then that's a good sign, right? You may pull yourself out. of, You may pull the conversation out of the weeds, but at least you understand that they've spent time earning the conversation, as I would call it, right? Um, another thing that's comes up that's pretty common is I do encourage everyone who wants to seek advice and do so on a regular basis to demonstrate that they are giving advice to other people as well. So, you know, if you want to be mentored or advised, whether you're retaining me or not, uh, that you should be going to do that. Right. And I think again, our relationship gets a lot better when they go and do that. Um, and we can even talk about, how your mentoring is going as part of or advising is going as a result of that. Um, You know, with a lot of thought leaders who get advice of mine. uh, So people who are very uh, in an evangelical capacity or in in one of those, one of the common things I try to explain to them is don't forget the people that got you there. Um, You know, they may not all be people who are uh, equivalently visible leaders in the arena, um, and sometimes the best advice will come from someone who is better and as of an observer and a study of the space or study of people, uh, versus the one that are engaging and, in, in, uh, interacting with it. So, um, there's a, there's sort of a Heisenberg principle thing where if you're interfering with the space, then it's hard for you to see how well you're doing or what other people could be doing in that capacity. Um, and I guess the last one that comes up a lot has been, uh, around the, the idea of, Defining success. Um, a lot of people, um, and this happens in Atlanta, uh, probably a little more than it does, um, say, in the other spaces, especially in the startup or business arenas. You know, we we read the news and we read about these successes about certain things, and um, you know, understanding what your success needs to be and really being able to be stay focused on that. So first of all, is that the right success metric or right success or milestone that you want to achieve? And then talking about, you know, how are you staying focused on it is uh, is another thing. Um, I, uh, (laughs) I guess one more thing too, is I, I do end up telling people about things that I don't do myself. And um, I'm very, very clear about it. So for, as an example, like, uh, like Jeff, you're an incredibly good at disciplined writing, you know, dis, you know, a great discipline of just sharing constantly, getting the word out, right? And there's a practice tan, there's a benefit for you. Like, I don't do that. And I tell people, it's like, you want to be visible, you want to be somebody, you want to find a job, you need to go do this. And mm-hmm. I've only had two people call me out about it, which actually, everybody should be calling me out about it. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, uh, but it's, um, yeah, but yeah, one of the, the, the other thing has been, um, just, which actually it does, uh, I, it, it's another thing that everyone should be doing that I do encourage everyone to do is, is always constantly write or engage in some capacity in the industry that you're in um, or, or the issue or the uh, thing that you're involved in. Because sharing your thoughts, regardless whether you think that they're good or not and getting feedback is important. Um, and the discipline of doing so is, is incredibly powerful. Um, so there's a guy's top of mind, Jermaine Brown. I don't know if you know Jermaine. He, uh, he has a, a startup. Uh, it's in the automotive space. And Jermaine and I, <laughs> uh, we, we met at Atlanta Tech Village and we trade like stock tips all the time. And we brag like as if we were uh, you know about our, our wisdom in the arena. And I love engaging with him. He's been writing on a regular basis and he just loves it. He absolutely has been. Uh, it, it shapes the way you have a conversation with other people. It, uh, you know, there's a level of discipline, like, you know, go into the gym that exercises your mind, exercises your, uh, your mindset, uh, certainly refocuses where your effort should be. Um, and if you don't like doing it publicly, do it privately, write in a journal, mm-hmm. right? Find a way yeah. to do that.
1: You yeah. know, the thing that, and that's such great advice too, because it doesn't, it's, it's one thing to write for public consumption mm-hmm. and to be able to get over that anxiety and, you know, like, but, but writing stuff down forces you to think about what yeah. you think about stuff. Yeah. You know, like otherwise you could go through and not not really spend that time reflecting. And, you know, like I've as I've ha- had different businesses in digital marketing and I've I've encouraged some of my leaders to write. It's like suddenly they go, Oh yeah, I guess I do have an opinion about that. Like they don't think they do. And then they're like, Well, yeah, of course I do. Um, one thing I love about what you said, um, in terms of giving advice that maybe you, you don't do, but you know is the right thing in the books that I write, because they're sort of autobiographical, sort of not. Um, I've had people say, Hey, can you tell me more about how to do and they mention a thing that the leader in the book does, and I'm like mm. That's actually not something I do well at all. That's something I know you should be doing. (laughs) It doesn't mean that I'm good at that thing, you know? So I think that goes back to that humility, uh, you know, being able to, but I think you're actually, you know, uh, I'm going to link, we're not going to be able to get to it today, but um, I'm going to link to the growth traits um, uh, infographic article that you've put up on LinkedIn. Um, There's some amazing stuff in there. So you know producing content you're very good at it. you you just maybe don't do it quite as much as as uh, others but um the stuff you do put out is
0: is really good. Oh, I appreciate that. Yeah. I've, uh, and by the way, Jeff, I've read the first book and I know I'm getting to the second one and, uh, I, I promise I won't wait for the trilogy and neither should anybody else. Like, don't wait for the trilogy to come out. You know, this isn't like Lord of the Rings. You'll just, uh, you know, or the Enders game series, right. Which, uh, Jeff, we got to go back and talk about dragon army and where that manifests itself. <laughs> Cause one of the first science fiction books came from there. So when I heard about your company, I was like, Oh my God, this is awesome.
1: It, yeah. <laughs> we'll definitely do that. Um, all right. Let me, let me, um, let me ask you sort of, this is sort of a, a final uh, point of conversation. Um, talk to me about uh, how you do what you do from a productivity standpoint. Are there tools and tips and tricks? Are you a morning p- person? Are you inbox zero? What's your to do system? Like, how do you manage because you as much as anybody that I, that I know are juggling lots of things, right? You're juggling a lot of things. So, What's your, what's your system, your, your internal OS, if you will.
0: Oh my God. This is uh, I, like right now it's chaos. I will tell you it, uh, to be honest, it is in a chaos mode and it's not because of COVID. It's just been the situation of one roller coaster after another that I've been hopping on. Um, so in my chaotic situation, uh, I tried to write down something like I I'd spend two times at least writing uh, if we're talking about some level of writing once in the morning and once in the evening. And usually the one in the morning is to get me set up for the day. And certainly, I, you know, it's, uh, and if I do get any writing done, I try to start from there. And it inspires a lot, whether it's helps me decide what I should focus on that day, what's important to me, what I could shuffle for tomorrow. So even if I'm writing publicly or privately in the morning, uh, and not just a to-do list, but or in addition to a to-do list, um, you know, I'm looking at something along those lines. So, so yeah. Yeah where are you writing? It? Oh you yeah. Tools wise. Um, yeah, it's something simple. I mean, I just, I put it in, uh, it, I put it in a small like notepad, like thing on my laptop and it just stays in front of me uh, all the time. Not the physical laptop, but I mean, not the physical sticky note. Cause that stuff flies all over the place in my, uh, as I'm moving around, but, uh, there's something that's always in my face and, uh, and, uh, it also includes what's the name of it. There's a timer i i've got a new pc but i also have a timer when i try to um spend time doing that and i usually do it for about 15 20 minutes in the morning uh, so that's
1: interesting yeah. though the the idea that you um you use a digital notebook type thing on your mm. on your laptop but yet it stays on the desktop i guess or in a, in a way that you see it because i always find that's the problem whenever i move from analog note taking or analog um to do's uh to digit they're The digital ones are so easy just to not see. That's right. Weird thing. So you found a way to do. Yeah, I wrote
0: some little script. uh, You know, Windows script tool, or uh, maybe I'm uh, so and uh, it uh, which I need to reset up again, and it's probably part of the reason I'm in chaos mode. But um, what it does is it uh, it pops up every so often. So you know, and people have asked me like, "Isn't that distracting?" I'm like, "Yeah." So it was email, social media, (laughs) like email. Yeah, I mean, everything under the sun is uh, distracting. At least this one you know, resets my focus and, uh, you know, gets me, get, gets me on track. So, um, gotcha. but yeah, and then in the evening it's a journal, your traditional okay. get offline, write in a journal. My handwriting is, uh, you know, my, uh, I, you know, uh, my hand strength is coming back and I can actually write in cursive again. Right. So, um, yeah. but it's good to be able to reflect, be great. And most of it's like, what am I grateful for? I mean, that's really what I spend my time mostly thinking about uh whether it's the, during the day or just something i thought about or um or things that i'm looking forward to you know and, and ahead and again it's all about like knowing what your overall purpose is and what you're wanting to accomplish and uh and then being very grateful and staying focused about what you're going to do uh as you do it
1: man i'm i'm very impressed that you um that you that you journal that way I, every single time i've tried i do it for like 2 days and then I forget for like four days and I'm like, Oh man, I was going to try to journal every day. And I, just, I just can't, I can't keep that even though I write a lot. A, I, I, I
0: did it. the same thing. It's a habit that you just, it, that you just end up having to uh, you know, set aside time to do like, um, you know, I, uh, I, I can operate in very stressful situations for long periods of time, but that's because I spend, I make sure I carve out time to go work out or, you know, meditate or something along those lines. Otherwise you know, you just lose it in the last 10 months. I mean, that's what happened. I lost it, lost track of it. And same, so the same thing with journaling and, you know, making sure that that's the case. I've been doing it for, I have a stack of books that is about 15, 16 years now uh, of of journals that, you know, I've just been doodling and you don't have to, you know, I mean, you don't have to write a lot. I mean, it could be a sentence, but you spent the time thinking about it and you have to make sure you carve out the time to think about it. Uh, Yeah. Whether it's, whether you write a lot or not.
1: It's more about the the writing of it, not the later reading through it, right? Yeah, it's the, yeah. The getting it down, to your point, being, you know... Thoughtful thing. It's almost meditative.
0: It is. It is. And and there is a uh, there's a book called A War of Art. I don't know if you've heard of it or not, but yeah, I, I picked it up. At one point. I, yeah, it was part of the Alt MBA program I went through. with Seth, the Seth Godin's early program, and it was one of the books I read. And creativity is difficult for me, right? This is why I envy what you guys do over a dragon army, but um, you know, melding both the the technical and the the creative and. Uh, yeah. And, you know, for me, like sitting down and writing has been a challenge, right? And that's one of the things. But when I do it, it's because I, one part in there tells you you should just sit down at a place without any distraction and have a blank piece of paper and that's it, right? Or or, or like something on, you know, let's say uh, your computer and uh, like I use Hemingway app, right? And so there's a mode where it just expands to your entire screen and blocks everything, right? So just sit there and noodle at it. And you will eventually start to at least formulate, and get some progress. And that's how you defeat writer's block. And, you know, writer's block gets defeated just mm-hmm. like, you know, dealing with any kind of older memory loss, you know, uh, you just have to keep exercising it and then you get better and better and better at it. And that's part of the reason why that's so important in today's age, writing and sharing is, is crucial no matter whether you do it professionally or not. Um, so starting off personally, as you mentioned right earlier, that, uh, it's even if you could do it personally, start off there that will at least give you the soft skills to start doing it professionally and, uh, that gets you far. It really does. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that is, that is great advice for us to end on because I think it applies to anyone that may be listening. I mean, whether you are starting a company or you're a new parent or starting college, I mean, honestly, that's, that's pretty, uh, universal advice. Well, Anand, I just can't thank you enough for being a part of this uh, podcast and and us chatting about mentorship, which is, I think, you know, you're at the top of the list of people I think of who are true mentors. um, And it's such an important part of our community and our society. And so, um, I just thank you so much. Keep doing what you're doing and I'll have you back on. We'll, we'll dive into probably 10 other topics that we could have uh, just on this (laughs) podcast. I really
0: appreciate you. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for having me on Jeff. And I'm glad you're doing this. And, uh, you know, I, I love reading the blog. Everyone should subscribe if you haven't already. And I, I promise Jeff's not paying me. The guy is incredibly wise Um, and it's, uh, very interesting to always read your perspectives and I learn a lot. So thank you for all of you doing for the community at large and, uh, and this as well. So I look forward to hearing all your guests that you have on.
1: I appreciate that, man. Thanks a bunch. Wow. You made it to the end of the podcast. I didn't think people did that anymore. Well, since I still have you, I'd love for you to do two things. First, subscribe to this podcast on whatever platform you're listening on. That way you'll be alerted as soon as I post my next one. And second, I'd love for you to subscribe to my email newsletter. I send out an email every week or two, and it's really where I share my more personal thoughts and ideas. Plus, I give stuff away sometimes. You can find the sign up at my blog, jeffhillemeyer.com, and I really do appreciate you listening.